Welcome, my true crime junkies. I am your host, Angela Baum, and this is Trekking True Crimes Podcast, a true crime show where I focus on true crime stories within the trekking industry. But don't worry, you don't need to know anything about the trekking industry to listen and enjoy. You just need to be a fan of true crime. And if that's you, then welcome inside. Also, as a reminder, if you'd like to learn more about my life over the road as a team truck driver, you can listen to my other podcast, Married to the Road, where I share my life over the road and stories along the way. As a reminder, our podcast discusses true crimes and murders. This is not a show for the faint of heart, and it is not intended for young audiences. Welcome, my true crime roadies. I'm your host, Angela Baum, along with my husband, Larry, and this is Trucking True Crime Podcast, a true crime show where we focus on true crime stories that happen within the trucking industry. But don't worry, you don't need to know anything about the trucking industry to listen and enjoy the show. You just need to be a fan of true crime. And if that's you, then welcome inside. As a reminder, if you'd like to learn more about our life over the road as team truck drivers, you can listen to our other podcast, Married to the Road, where we share our lives over the road and stories along the way with our three furry dogs. As a reminder, our podcast discusses true crimes and murders. This is not a show for the faint of heart, and this is not intended for young audiences. If you like your podcast ad-free, then head over to our Patreon, located at patreon.com slash Podcast, where for just a dollar a whole month, your episodes are ad-free. And if you need more episodes in your life, then for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode each month, all your episodes are ad-free, and you get a 10% discount on all of our Trekking True Crime Podcast merchandise. Plus, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all of our episodes ad-free. So please be sure to stop by our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast and sign up today. Welcome back all my trucking true crime roadies. So we told you in part one, and if you didn't get a chance to listen to the part one of this episode, we were telling you about the story of John and Rachel, a bunch of wayward lovers who got addicted to meth and went on a little bit of a crime spree, let's say. And then they sang like canaries. They sang like canaries. So in this part of the episode, uh, Rachel has already been taken into custody, and she has told her side of the story of what happened to poor Nikki Hill, the girl that they kidnapped, and then, as we find out later, wound up raping, beating, torturing, and then shooting her in the back. Now, John has just been arrested by the police, and he's just found out that Nikki is singing like a canary and telling her side of the stories, and he is hot as can be, because he's like, well, if she's going to start talking, well, then I want to start talking, too. So, John wanted his chance to tell his side of the story. So, for hours and hours and hours, he told the police how for weeks now they have been engaged in sexual activities with prostitutes all over the U.S. Um, They were in a meth-induced high. 
They would go out, they would solicit prostitutes, bring them to their local hotel or their truck stops, and they would have threesomes. Also during these times, John was saying that Rachel was the aggressor in most of these. She wanted to be like the person in control, and a lot of times John was just in the background watching Rachel supposedly having sex with these prostitutes and being real domineering and sometimes she would beat them and he pretty much was pointing the fingers and saying whoa 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 okay yeah occasionally I had sex with the prostitutes but 90% of the time I was just watching I was just watching it was all Rachel's idea she's the bad one she's the aggressor so I don't know if that's true or not but I will tell you from everything that I have read and researched it really did seem like Rachel truly was the one that had the anger issues, the attitude problem, and the one who truly was the aggressor. So I really do believe John was telling the truth that now whether or not he, he joined in on the sexual escapades, I really don't think he was sitting in the background watching. But I do think that Rachel was very much more the aggressor. She liked the abuse. She liked being uh, begrading to the women. So I kind of do believe with what John said, just everything that I've learned. <clears throat> so he also stated that, like I said, most of the time the prostitutes were not for him, but for Rachel, who enjoyed tying up the women, being domineering to them, and just taking control to them. Um, according to John, that is exactly what happened to poor Nikki Hill. Supposedly, they got back to the hotel, and Rachel was the one that decided to tie up Nikki. She was also the one, supposedly, that beat her up and tortured her and then had sex with her and then forced poor Nikki to have sex with John as she sat in a chair with a gun on both of them, just watching them. That's what John's saying. So, in other words, he's saying the exact opposite of what Rachel is saying. Who do we believe? I don't know. Now, John went on to say that the next morning they wake up, and you know, this is after their wild night of their sex escapade, and they're still in the hotel. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. We're still recovering from a cold here. But supposedly, Rachel woke up, and now she's in a full-blown panic attack. She's absolutely scared that they're going to get caught for kidnapping this girl, taking her back to the hotel and of course they're worried that you know Nikki's gonna blab to the world about what just happened that she was tortured and beat and raped so she told John listen we're gonna have to kill her and John's like no 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 I, there's gotta be another way and supposedly Rachel's like no we have to kill her so John is saying that that's exactly what they did it was they took her out into the field and John did admit that he was the one that shot Nikki in the back three times but, he said, of course, it was all Rachel's fault. She's the one that forced me to do Rachel it. Rachel made me do it. Exactly. So, the police, not knowing which version of events to believe, came up with kind of a really good idea with John and Rachel. This is when John said, wait a second. Listen, I have proof of what I'm saying is true. He said that during the assault in the hotel room, that he had actually was the one behind the camera filming everything that happened when Rachel was the one that was being aggressive with Nikki. There's video proof. So the police said, okay, well, where's the videotape? You say that you were videotaping Rachel abusing Nikki and raping her. Where's the proof? And that's when John said, well, Rachel's got the tape. So the police decided to go back to that mobile home trailer 
that Rachel was caught in with her new boyfriend and see if they could find the videotape. And believe it or not, they actually did find the videotape. And just like John had said, the police officer saw that Rachel really was the aggressive. She was the one that was abusing and raping and torturing Nikki while John the whole time was videotaping this. Not knowing what to do, the police decided, listen, we don't know what the hell is going on. John's saying one thing, Rachel's saying one thing. We do have the videotape, but they came up with the idea, you know what, we're going to put them in the same interrogation room, and we're going to have a conversation with them, and we're going to see where this conversation goes. And Let them duke it out. Exactly. They both want to talk on each other, they both want to, so now we're going to put them in the same room and see what happens. Now, John was feeling betrayed and really hurt and really mad that Rachel had talked to the police first and tried to throw John underneath the bus. So he told authorities, listen, you know, yes, we killed Nikki. Yes, Rachel met, made me do it. But there's other victims that we killed back in 2003. So he starts admitting that there's Nikki, more. Yeah, Nikki Hill wasn't the first one. Wow. So <clears throat> now, mind you, they're long. He's a long haul truck driver. They drive all over the country. They've been together for two years now, and all during this time, they've been addicted to math. So when you start putting that all together, it makes you think, uh, uh, there's probably a lot of victims within that two year period. So according to John, in another meth fueled night, <clears throat> Rachel decided to lure a redheaded prostitute at an Oklahoma truck stop into their truck. This, again, was supposed to be a night of sexcapades between the three of them. So they were planning on having a sexual romp with this red-headed girl. Unfortunately, Rachel quickly got disgusted because supposedly this girl really smelled. And she couldn't stand the smell of this young girl. So according to John, she decided that instead of having sex with them, what they were going to do instead was um, robbing her of the $108 that she had earned that night. The victim started figuring out, hey, something's going on here. I don't think we're going to have sex. And she felt like they were getting ready to attack her. So she jumped out of the truck and tried, tried to flee for her life. Supposedly at that point, John and Rachel both jumped out of the truck, chased her down the road, and began stabbing her several times. That victim's name was Samantha Patrick. So the police wanted to see if John was actually telling the truth wound up contacting the Oklahoma Police Department to see if they had possibly a Jane Doe named Samantha, because that's all John remembered was her first name, named Samantha that was an unsolved case. Sure enough, the Oklahoma Police were able to confirm that indeed a redheaded prostitute named Samantha had been stabbed just as John described and was discarded outside of a truck stop. So now the FBI <clears throat> had put together a task force right around the same period where they were starting to see a pattern of um, prostitutes being dumped along highways all across the United States. So all during this time, the FBI is in the back and they're putting together a task force and they're starting to see a simulation. So when an FBI agent named Terry Turner, and she's a female, um, heard about John and Rachel and their confession and the fact that they had killed a lady from Oklahoma. She had seven unsolved cases all along the I-40 corridor 
from Oklahoma to Mississippi. So she started putting two and two together and was like, wait a second. They've already admitted to killing two women all along this route where I've got seven women that are missing. So she's like, hmm, I think I need to go talk to these two people. Talk to John. Talk to John. <laughs> yeah, he might tell you the truth. Um, so like I said, Terry had seven women. All these women were prostitutes. They all had been picked up from different truck stops in the Oklahoma area, and they all had been dumped along the I-40 corridor in the surrounding states. So some of them were in Oklahoma, some were in Texas, New Mexico, and so on. So she's doing her investigation. <clears throat> At that same, same time, the Texas Rangers also had a case that they wanted to talk to John about, too. Because they're like, wait a second. This guy's, con you know, he's confessed to two, and we've got one that kind of fits that build, too. So we want to go talk to to John. So they came to Mississippi to talk to John to see if he was possibly linked to another murder um, that they had possibly received a phone tip on. So what had happened was the week before the Texas Rangers showed up in Mississippi, the show America's Most Wanted showcased a murder in Texas, the one that the Texas Rangers were working on, about a young murder victim named Casey Joan Pipestone. Casey also was similar to Rachel, where she had a very tough life growing up. At a young age, at just seven years old, her mother had also passed away. Now, I had seen some conflicting reports. Some of them said that her mother died of an illness, and then others alluded to her mother dying of a drug overdose. So I'm not 100% sure how her mother died. But according to everything I've learned, the death of her mother sent Casey into a tailspin. She began acting up in schools, starting fights with teachers and students, and people in her own community described, described her as a girl just full of anger and rage. Finally, at the age of 16, Casey dropped out of high school and sadly found herself getting hooked on drugs. To keep her addiction going, the only alternative Casey had to fund her drug addiction was to turn to prostitution. She was well known around the Oklahoma truck stop scene and soon people began to call her Little Bit because she was super tiny and she was only, I think, 16 when she started prostituting. So when the Texas Rangers came to Mississippi to show her a photo of Casey to John, John said, eh, I don't recognize her. He's like, you know, I really don't know who she is. The Texas Rangers are like, listen, we just have a feeling that John's the man that killed this woman, and we just have a good feeling. So they reached out to Casey's family to ask them if they had any other photos of what Casey might have looked like when she went out on the town dressed up for the night as a prostitute. Because the photos that they had given to the Texas Rangers was like Casey when she was back in high school. And she didn't look like that when she was out prostituting. So the family immediately sent the Texas Rangers a new photo. They went back to the prison and showed John a photo of what Casey actually looked like when she'd go out on the weekends dressed up as a prostitute. And wouldn't you know it, he immediately recognized her as one of his victims. John told the Rangers uh, things that only the person who actually would have killed her would have known. Things that had not been released to the media. Like, for example, on her right shoulder blade, Casey had a tattoo that read, Little Bit. John also described how Rachel and him had beaten and raped and strangled Casey inside of their truck. Then they drove over 200 miles away to Grapevine, Texas, where they threw her body over an overpass and into a ravine below. Even though John had confessed over the years to almost a total of 30 murders, wow. 
Some of those he claimed that he did do solo, and some he claimed that Rachel was a part of. The two of them have only been charged with the death of Nikki Hill. And I don't know why. I don't know because they, he was charged for a very short time with the death of Samantha because he admitted that he killed Samantha, but it never got brought to him going to court and having charges. So <clears throat> when it came down to him being charged, it said that the two of them were only charged with the death of Nikki Hill. Now, John accepted a guilty plea on the death of Nikki Hill's case only after he found out that Rachel had worked out a plea deal with prosecutors. So, Rachel worked out a plea deal with the prosecutors because she's like, listen, I will spill the beans on John only if you guys give me a linear sentence. And they're like, deal. Done. We'll do that. So, instead of charging her with murder, they only charged her with manslaughter. And then she only got 20 years. So when John found out, hey, listen, she's turning state's evidence on you. She's going to testify against you. And now she's being reduced from murder only down to manslaughter. He's like, well, I'm screwed. <laughs> so he went ahead and took a plea deal because he knew his option was either go to court and get the death penalty or take a plea deal with the prosecution's office. And the plea deal gave him a life sentence plus 20 years. So he escaped the death penalty by taking the plea deal. But John was still mad. He was super mad that hers got down to manslaughter. The fact that she was going to turn state evidence. And in other words, she got off light. And he felt that she should have gotten the same sentence as him. Because she, supposedly, according to John, was the one that initiated killing these women. She was the one that was the aggressor. And he felt that she should have been charged exactly the same way he did. I agree with John. I do too. So due to this, like I said, her sentence was only 20 years. Um, and then that's when John decided that he would go ahead and plead guilty to kidnapping and murder. And he was only sentenced to life in prison along with additional 20 years. Now, Rachel was released in September of 2013 after only serving eight years. That's not fair. So she's out. She's out. <laughs> Living her life out on the road. Hopefully not killing anybody else. Let's well, I hope not. So she only served eight years for the murder of Nikki Hill and was never charged with any of the other murders that she completely and vehemently denies that she had any part of. While John, on the other hand, is still in prison, will be in prison until the day he dies because he was sentenced to life plus 20 years with no chance of being released. Now, he has confessed to several more murders, although there hasn't been enough proof to link him to those murders. Um, and he's only been charged with the one of Nikki Hill. And believe it or not, John, who is still in prison to this day, is very, very active on social media. He actually has two Facebook accounts that he uses regularly from inside the prison. And still to this day, John is soliciting women through Instant Messenger on his Facebook. I even saw one particular podcaster who is... Um, a radio personality who was interviewing John for a particular podcast. Now, mind you, he'd been talking with John over a confiscated phone that John had in the prison, and John would call him whenever he got an opportunity to. John somehow found out who this who this radio personality's wife was, got onto Facebook, and started sending very sexual, seductive messages to his wife over Facebook. So this man is still being a predator even though he's in Facebook. Or he's in prison through Facebook. He should be in Facebook jail. 
<laughs> well, you would think that they would monitor what these people are doing in prison for Pete's sake. I don't think they should have access to the no, internet. No, I don't either. They also said that they they also said that John's been on dating sites as well, like inmates.com or something like that, where he's actually on dating sites. So not only there is he are on, women out there that yes. want to have conjugal visits with murderers. Oh, there's websites devoted to that. There's women that want to marry men on death row. For some reason, they think that it's like super exciting. Not me. Sorry, not gonna happen. Anyway, so that's the story. Yeah, dude, you want a woman? Kill somebody. <laughs> so that's the story of John and Rachel. They were, I guess, star-crossed lovers that were never meant to be. But I don't think we'll ever really know how many people that actually killed. John has confessed up to 30. Of those 30 murders, he said half of those. Rachel was the initiator and she was the one that was involved. Half of them he said that he did before he ever met Rachel. I don't know that we'll ever find out the truth. From what I, from everything that I have learned as far as researching this, I think they're satisfied with him being guilty, having a life sentence. I don't think they want to waste money in trying to charge him with the other murders. There's really no sense in charging him. At least he admitted it. Yeah. And the families can get a little sense of relief and knowing get that some closure. Yeah, knowing that they're not sitting there waiting for someone that's never going to come back. They know the closure. They know what happened to their person. So. Yeah. Even though He's sad. already got life. Yes. You can't have 10 lives, 30 lives. Yes. Now, if you visit our Instagram page um, for Trekking True Crime Podcast, I did put up some photos up there. Um, so you will see the photos of John. You also see the pictures of Rachel. And you'll see the pictures of all the victims that they have been accused of supposedly killing. So do be sure to visit our Instagram page to see all the photos associated with this podcast story. And we'll be back again next Saturday with a new podcast story. And don't forget to listen to our live show on Wednesday nights on TNC Radio, Tail Lights with the Bombs at 7 p.m. Central, and our other podcast, Married to the Road, released every Monday night. <coughs> I would like to thank you for that episode. That was very interesting. Thank you. It took a lot of research. You did amazing. A lot of typing. Very proud of you. And now I think I'm ready to lose my voice. <laughs> Hopefully next week we'll have good voices. We won't be sick in the podcast. I won't be coughing out my lungs. We can hope, right? We can hope. And again, thank you guys all so much for following us. Please be sure to listen to our podcast. Follow our podcast so that you can be notified every time we put out a new episode. And be sure to check out our TikTok page, Trekking True Crime Podcast. Be sure to like it, share it with your friends, help us grow our podcast. We really appreciate it. Keep your eyes on the road and your ears on us. Have you ever been interested about what all it takes to be a truck driver out here, delivering the goods all across America? Or more importantly, what is it like being a team trucker out here with your significant other 24 hours a day in a small confined space? Working together, eating together, sleeping together, you name it. If you've ever been curious about the trucking industry, please listen to Larry and I's other podcast, Married to the Road. Again, that's Married, the number two, the road. Please be sure to give it a listen today and don't forget to hit that follow button. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies, for giving our podcast a listen. 
We really appreciate you listening to our Trucking True Crime podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to visit our Instagram page or our TikTok page, also Trucking True Crime Podcast. And don't forget that you can visit our Facebook page as well. Again, Trucking True Crime Podcast. Be sure to like, share, and follow, and be sure to share out our podcast to all your friends. We'll be back here next week with another great episode. Thank you so much, my true crime roadies. Be safe out there.